It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. And more importantly, our third day of LISC uh, retrospective on on not just last year, 2022, the work that we did, but the, the work prior to that on two uh, prior series. Uh, but I figure 2023, here we are. Uh, we may as well start out by catching people up, especially people who haven't heard um, since uh, since we had moved. Um, people uh, probably don't know a lot about LISC or what we did with LISC, but you know, I know a lot of people uh, chime in afterwards. And uh, it's one thing that we seem like we walked away from the Long Island serial killing. If, uh, if someone doesn't know what LISC is, it uh, refers to the Gilgo Beach killings, the Long Island serial killer, I believe killers, and, uh, you know, it's, it's an internationally uh, intriguing subject. And when, when the, the solve comes from uh, D.A. Ray Tierney, which I believe is, is coming, uh, I believe coming this year, when this is solved, uh, I think it will be the story and uh, not only true true crime, but political, because the political uh, coverage or the, the cover-up of this is going to be uh, well documented. And uh, we're, we're the, the one show that's been concentrating on that and um, a lot of reasons why. And if you've been listening the last couple of days and, or if you've been listening over the years, uh, you'll, you'll know that uh, when the, the serial killings occurred, or at least when they were discovered, it was uh, it, it came off of uh, Shannon Gilbert's disappearance. And if those of you don't know who uh, Shannon Gilbert is, she was a, a sex worker who um, who unfortunately lost her life on uh, on Gilgo Beach. Uh, she was hired to uh, uh, you know to perform, and uh, it was her disappearance when her disappearance occurred. The police went uh, went looking for Shannon Gilbert, and uh, instead of Shannon's body, um, they found the remains of other people, and uh, that is what opened up Pandora's box here, and uh, well, not really Pandora's bo- uh, Pandora's box. It was this is what opened up all of the uh, all of the information or or the what should have been information. Uh, to uh, to the public that there is a serial killing going on, and uh, I mentioned just to kind of recap a little bit, the the uh, commissioner at the time, police commissioner in Suffolk County, where Gilgo Beach is, it was a guy named Richard Dormer. He's recently passed, or he has a, he's passed um, subsequently, and he spent a year on the investigation with. The uh, the FBI and a gentleman named Dominic Verone was the chief detective on the on the case on the uh, on the investigation, and they were both asked to to leave when uh, Steve Ballone 
our current county executive uh, became the county executive uh, for the first time. And uh, he, they were asked by his appointed um, police chief, uh, head of the police, head of chief of department, uh, James Burke. Uh, they were asked by his people to resign and uh, resign before uh, January 1st of, of the next coming year. And um, in doing so, they, uh, they were promised that they wouldn't get busted down to captain, which would have been significantly uh, lower uh, pension for the rest of their lives, and they both willingly did that. Uh, the shocking part there is that they they weren't asked anything about their their investigation. They weren't uh, asked a single question. Let's just put it in perspective, right? They weren't asked a single question about the biggest unsolved serial killing in modern time, or at least certainly in anywhere in this area. And, you know, they both were shocked, but they weren't shocked that they were being removed from the case because, you know, new county executive, new police chief wants his own people in there. They took it like men, you know, they took it, you know, uh, with a lot of grace, both, uh, both men and a lot of, um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody taking it with, uh, with, with better humor. Uh, and when I say humor, I don't mean anything uh, that anybody was laughing, but uh, with a better attitude than these two men. They didn't complain. They didn't, they, they didn't seem to say anything. They gave up their spots. And they figured, oh, okay, these guys are going to work with the feds. But they were shocked. They were shocked that there wasn't a single question asked of either man and these are the two top people in the investigation, nothing. They were asked nothing by Ballone, by Ballone's people, by Jimmy Burke, by Jimmy Burke's uh, people, nothing. So those uh, those guys were, were off to retirement um, to, uh, to, to get their pension, their full pension, because they, they both retired prior to, uh, to January 1st when Ballone was taking office. And then the very first thing, official, uh, first thing that Jimmy Burke did as, uh, unless you want to call that his first act, but the, the first official act of, of James Burke's tenure as police chief was to ask the FBI and the, the feds, any federal agencies, to leave the investigation. And that was confirmed, and, and I'm repeating myself here, if you listened yesterday or the day before, by Erin Moriarty, uh, she got the information from me, quite frankly, and uh, or her people did, and she asked Jerry Hart, who was the lead agent for the FBI at the time, if that was true, if Jimmy Burke had asked Chief Burke, Suffolk County, head of department, was she asked to to leave and have the FBI take all their resources, all their man and woman power, and have them leave the investigation. And just, you know, just matter-of-factly, yes. And I think three times in Aaron Moriarty's coverage on 48 Hours, which is wonderful, a wonderful coverage by CBS. Um, and she's done great work over the years, but did good work on this, on LISC. And by the way, we appreciate all, uh, you know, all the work that's been done on LISC because it is, it is because it is very difficult uh, 
very difficult to get um, answers when when the government doesn't want answers to come. And that's it's just a fact. It's not even speculation. That's not conjecture. That is that is a, a fact. They they shut it down. And basically for ten years or so, we didn't hear anything. We heard nothing about the case. And I spoke to many of the victims' families, and uh, you know, it, just heartbreaking. But many of them said that they would get a they would get a call once in a while from Suffolk County Police that said, um, "Look, we're working on your daughter's case or your sister's case or your cousin's case. We're working on your murder victims." relative case and we're we'll get back to you as soon as we have something and they got a couple of phone calls like that throughout the decade but obviously nothing was was going on so i mean if there's a head scratcher it's not that they couldn't figure out who murdered these poor women and and one man and one toddler the head scratching comes when you ask the question, why weren't they trying to solve this? There's where we, where we have the, <laughs> the, uh, the problem, is why didn't they want to solve this? Because they obviously did not want to solve it. So anyway, that's where we... Uh, you know, this is where and why we came in or why I came in and started, you know, shouting from the rooftops that this investigation shouldn't go cold. And it would have unless the inevitable, I, I think, and once we, we got rolling, inevitable happened. And that was Tim Sinney, the district attorney of Suffolk County, who did nothing, absolutely nothing for well he did something i'm going to tell you after the break after this break he did something it was pretty silly but he did do something um and it was just only under under pressure serious pressure that he did something uh, but nothing would be going on now and we'd have no confidence that anything would happen unless a new district attorney came in that was committed to it and that's ray tierney and yes he got in and he's immediately uh, gathered everyone. The the feds are back in, the FBI, the U.S. Attorney, the Sheriff's Office, the PD. All of these folks are working together on it. Frank McKay signing off just for now. We'll be back in, in a little while. We'll be talking more about LISC um, and more. We're breaking it down when we get back right after this. This is Frank McKay. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone back. Our second part, our second segment of our third day of LISC retrospective. And, you know, I'd like to say just 2022, but it's, uh, it, it really isn't. It's, uh, we're going back way to the uh, way to the beginning uh, of it, and or at least to when when the discoveries, the uh, the grisly discoveries of 
of the the dead folks um, came uh, about and the police found it. By the way, let me just reiterate, I have a great deal of respect for the Suffolk County Police. I've lived here most of my life, and we have a great police force, right? There's wonderful men and women work very hard and very honest. Uh, that is is not the problem. The problem was at uh, at the top, and you know if anyone is is wondering why anybody would speculate that something would be covered up by a police chief, well, Jimmy Burke went to prison, went to federal prison. He was convicted for four, four and a half years uh, for covering up. A, a beating that he gave to a, a gentleman named uh, Chris Loeb. And by the way, some people roll their eyes when I say gentleman, but I'm, I'm you know, a man named uh, Chris Loeb who had a, uh, had a, a drug problem, drug issue, and he r- was robbing cars one night and happened upon, maybe he targeted, I don't know, I don't know how he would have known it was Burke's, but Chief Burke's car, and he took out uh, of that car a holster, a P- PAL bag, that's Police Athletic League bag, a blue bag. And in the bag, allegedly, 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 were some uh, porn tapes. People had speculate, uh, speculated that they were snuff films. Um, I personally find that hard to believe because if... It was uh, shown that Jimmy Burke had snuff films, and uh, you know, I mean, that's uh, that's a whole different crime. A snuff film is a porn, basically a porn flick that uh, that ends in somebody's murder, murder on on film. Anyway, and I I find it hard to believe. Um, I don't know even know who speculated that it was a snuff film. Um, a, a legislator Rob Trotter. In, I think he's in the 13th legislative district in Suffolk County. Now he's a uh, police officer, long, long time police officer, and also liaison to the FBI. And I think he spent 10 years in that capacity. And Trotter said, and he says it in my documentary, that the first time that he ever met Jimmy Burke, and this is well before Steve Ballone appointed him police chief. But on the, upon their first meeting, he asked Trotter, do you know where I can get a snuff film? Which, you know, is a strange thing to ask anybody anytime, but certainly the first time you you meet them. And, you know, you've got to <laughs> you've got to believe that, uh, you know, this is a, this is a whole different individual. If something like that was to come out of uh, his mouth. Now, some people, and he, Trotter himself, mentioned that uh, Burke had a feeling out process with people. And, you know, he would feel you out to, uh, to see maybe what your reaction is to a, an outrageous question that has to do with a crime or a violent act or, or a sex act. Which, by the way, in asking for a snuff film, uh, all three of those categories are checked off. And maybe 
if he would have gotten a different reaction from Trotta, you know, interest or something along those lines, intrigue, maybe he would have uh, felt that Trotta was somebody that he could trust in in talking about, um, you know, certain, you know, sexual um, acts with or, or behavior and uh, we we do know i mean there's it's these are facts now i mean because he was um uh, you know they they were, were filed these complaints were filed with um internal affairs and the the complaints i'm talking about are the fact that uh, jimmy burke had involvement with prostitutes while he was a while he was a police officer and Again, Newsday, uh, the the local newspaper here, if you're listening from out of town, that's our daily newspaper, the only daily newspaper on Long Island that comes from Long Island, and they they did extensive work on on Burke, and uh, and they did coverage on the the uh, prostitution angle. Uh, there was a Lorita Rickenbacker that uh, became famous, at least in these circles. And she was a uh, a, a, pro- a prostitute, a sex worker, that uh, became close, uh, apparently, to Jimmy Burke while he was a cop. And she uh, was found to a- and admitted to having sex in his uh, his police vehicle. When, when I knew Burke, he had a, a green grand marquee, and you know it was a. You know, at this point, he was already plain clothes, and he was a detective already, and um, he wasn't Lieutenant Burke yet. I don't know. Uh, You know, my timeline is uh, a little off. I met him. I I met him in 2001, and I met him as Tom Spoda was running against Jim Catterson for uh, the district attorney's spot in Suffolk County and Burke was very close to Tom Spoda and just to give you a little background on on Jimmy Burke there's a famous case called the John Pius murder case in Suffolk County from Suffolk County and I believe Jimmy Burke was 15 years old when the murders took place and it had to do with a, a mini bike a stolen mini bike and these kids from the the Smithtown area um accosted I mean attacked and and ultimately killed John Pius you know, fourteen-year-old boy or fifteen-year-old boy, and uh, having to do with this conflict with the with the mini bike, but they killed him by stuffing rocks down his throat. They suffocated him, and it was this horrendous murder, and it caught the the attention of everybody on Long Island. I remember hearing about it when I was a when I was a kid, and it was a big big story because of how horrendous this crime was and you know poor John Pius was murdered by 
by people. The prosecutor on that case, the prosecutor on that case was a young, hungry um, ADA assistant uh, district attorney, bureau chief, I guess, homicide. And I think he was the bureau chief of homicide, and that was Tom Spoda. And this is where he really made a name for himself. The witness, his key witness in the case, I mean, you can't make this up. I mean, this is unbelievable, was 15-year-old delinquent Jimmy Burke. And young Jimmy Burke gave testimony to Spoda and to the you know the government against these these guys who who had allegedly killed uh, John Pius and Jimmy Burke was the key witness that prosecuted and got the murder conviction for Tom Spoda. Uh, Jimmy had an absentee father as I did <laughs> uh, I didn't know any of these guys at this point uh, but he, uh, he had an absentee father, a single mother. He was raised by a single mother, as I was. Uh, but he caught the attention of Spoda, who he helped make, right, with his testimony, with this unique situation that he was in, where he gave the key information in the John Pius murder to this attorney Tom Spoda and that broke the case wide open it was the the bottom line it was the smoking gun so to speak was Jimmy Burke young Jimmy Burke's um, testimony Tom Spoda took Jimmy Burke under his wing from that time on and Jimmy Burke at a very young age became a police officer under the tutelage of of his mentor Tom Swoda. Frank McKay here, signing off just for now, though. We got a couple of commercials, and then when we come back, uh, part three of our day three of LISC uh, retrospective. Frank McKay signing off just for now. We'll be back right after this with more Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone back to our part three of day three of LISC, the Long Island serial killing. And this is our third day talking about it. And we're doing a retrospective on 2022, but really... This goes back much further than all of that. And if you were listening in our last segment, uh, we got to the point where Jimmy Burke was the key witness in the John Pius murder, a Smithtown boy uh, that was murdered by other boys uh, in Smithtown. And he was murdered by being suffocated. Uh, with rocks being shoved down his throat, Jimmy Burke is the was the the key testimony that blew that case wide open, and the prosecutor was a a, a younger uh, young Tom Spoda, 
who ultimately ended up as being the district attorney. He was elected in 2001. That's when I met Jimmy Burke. And Spoda defeated a much feared and much hated uh, James Catterson, who was the district attorney on uh, I think two terms. He was going for a third term. And, yeah, he uh, Spoda came in with the white hat on that one and he had all the support of the police unions he in private practice made a fortune off of representing the PBAs the police benevolent associations and again I, I've said this before I'll say it again I mean I'm pro-cop by no means are we uh, are we painting uh, cops with the same same brush as as we are with uh, that we Jimmy Jimmy Burke Spoda and Ballone, um, you know these three, uh, you know very corrupt uh, individuals. Ballone being the only one still in in power. Tom Spoda, who was elected in two thousand and one, is in in the midst of a five year prison sentence in Connecticut, and I think I don't know if he's eighty years old now. I don't know, but I knew Tom, and I liked Tom from what I knew of him. My falling out with all of these people, the three I just mentioned, came over this, over Lisk, and, and the, the lack of action, the lack of, of any kind of positive, um, I don't know, movement on the case, and my asking about it, my uh, gently, even gently asking about it, was... Um, was uh, basically uh, the end of our relationship, my relationship, I should say, with with uh, those those three. Um, Spoda, it went on for for a little longer. Um, what he said. Well, let me start with what what Jimmy Burke said. Um, when I asked him, "Hey, what's going?" It's probably like 2013. I, I said, you know, what's going on with this case? I mean, I, you know, I don't want to, don't tell me tales out of school. I don't want to know anything that I shouldn't know. But uh, are you? Do you feel confident that you? And uh, Jim, Jimmy, you know, tough talking, you know, cop. He says, don't worry, Frankie. We're gonna get this mother effer. We're gonna get him. Don't worry. We'll get him. And that was what his reaction was to me. But you know, uh, showmanship. You know, just you know him saying that. You know, meanwhile, at the time, he knew who did it. You know, he still knows who, who did it, I'm convinced. And uh, Tom Spoda, um, when I asked, uh, you know, when I told him I was doing the the first um, installment or the first series of lists, the Long Island serial killing, he wasn't even like, why are you doing that? He was like... Uh, it was like, you know, all right. He said, uh, he said, just so you know, it wasn't. Don't let him tell you it's Jimmy Bissett. Don't listen to that internet crap and all this. And and who Jimmy Bissett is, by the way, was the the owner of the aquarium, um, Long Island uh, Aquarium in in Riverhead, and there was a big uh, movement right right away that it was Jimmy Bissett, Jimmy Bissett, who a very wealthy guy and. You know, had something like a 36-acre estate in um, in Southhold, which is the North Fork of of Long Island, 
and you know opposite of the Hamptons. But anyway, Jimmy Bissett was um, uh, was the same individual who committed suicide at his Christmas party at the at the um, um, aquarium. He never he came. Well, he didn't commit suicide there, he, and he committed suicide in a place called Veterans Memorial Park in um, in in South uh, South Hold Matatuck, is it? Anyway, I was there. You know, I went to you know you know even recently I popped by just to kind of see the the site again. But he was in his car and he committed suicide in his car, um, self-inflicted gunshot wound, and um, Bissett uh, was immediately thought to have killed himself because he had something to do with these uh, these grisly. Uh, and gruesome murders of uh, of ten, at least ten sex uh, workers. So immediately, you know, people jumped on that. Uh, Ballone pushed that, by the way. Steve Ballone pushed. Um, in case you know you're listening, and your family member of of Jimmy Bissett, Steve Ballone, the county executive, pushed uh, the the dialogue on on Bissett. And if you want to know how I know that because mutual friends of mine and Ballone, uh, keep in mind, I was an ally of all of these guys, but mutual friends of Ballone came to me and said, um, you know, what are you doing? Why are you asking? This is, I, I didn't do a single radio show or a TV show on Lisk or the Long Island ser- serial killing or the, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, um, Gilgo Beach murders, the Oak Beach. I didn't do anything. I just simply was asking people, including Spoda and Burke, and uh, Ballone, instead of, uh, you know, making some, you know, just statement, sent a mutual friend of ours to to talk to me and said, you know, why are you, and I'll clean it up, you know, why are you doing this, you know, S, what are you effing, you know, morbid? You know, you're talking about these uh, you know these hookers are killed on the side of the road and blah 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 and all this and you know why why do you care what are you doing you know and and this one individual kept you know uh, you know it was on me uh, about that and uh and and i was I, I was a little stunned to be honest with you and he was saying steve's pissed at you and I said, Steve who? And originally, and I realized he's talking about Steve Ballone. I said, are, are you out of your mind? I said, is, is he out of his mind? You know, and I was, you know, like, F him. You know, is he crazy? You know, uh, he's mad at me because I'm asking questions about I, I said, he's lucky I'm not asking about him on radio, which eventually I, I, I ultimately got to. Or TV. I was on NBC nonstop. Uh, I think that I was still on NBC nonstop. But if not, I had a PBS TV show and... I had a, a radio show that was on CBS in six different markets. I just did celebrity talk. I didn't even get into all of this. But, uh, I, I, you know, I basically say, yeah, tell him to F himself. What the hell? He's mad at me? Are you crazy? Is he crazy? You know, just and, and then before this guy left, I said, uh, I said, hey, hey, by the way, I, uh, who who did this? I mean, uh, who does he think did it? He wants me to shut, you know, uh, shut up. Uh, who does he who does he think did it? So he turned to me and he said, "Who do you think did it?" He said, "Jimmy Bissett." Uh, you know, and again, I I'll 
keep it clean, but I mean, it was as harsh as this, and this is from Ballone's messenger. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Bissett killed a bunch of, um, uh, you know, whores or so, you know something like that, and threw them on the side of the, you know, the side of the uh, road. What do you think the f happened or something like that? And, and I said, you know, bull, you know, BS. Um, if that was the case, Spoder would just do a grand jury report and and say Bissett did it, right? All you need is, I, I think, if I have it right, uh, 13 of, of 24 grand jury members to say it. You don't even have to uh, prove beyond a reasonable doubt to get that result. I mean, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you ask me... Spoda would have taken that in a second if he thought, either thought it was true or if he can get away with it. When we come back for our final segment here on our third day of Talking Lisk, uh, I'll get into why he couldn't. And I know, and I found out during my, my second uh, series, my second series on Lisk, on the Long Island serial killer, uh, Frank McKay here. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, our final installment for our third day and I think we'll be back tomorrow talking about the same thing just a lot to cover here and uh, Frank McKay uh, taking a quick break here we'll be back right after these commercials with more breaking it down right after this in many ways Long Island is the story of America it's breaking it down with Frank McKay Long Island is definitely the place for you now here's your host Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays I'd like to welcome everyone back to our final segment of our Lisk retrospective and when I say final segment, final segment of today, uh, segment four of day three, talking about the Long Island serial killing. I, I, by the way, we can go on, we can go on for weeks, and uh, and you know, I, I, uh, I, you know, I find it uh, interesting. I find it helpful to to give it off, but I don't find any joy in any of this. And and I remember doing the the first installment, our, our first series, and I remember telling my wife, saying, geez, you know, this is the most depressing subject that uh, you can come up with. I mean, I like to stay positive. I like to, you know, think of myself as an optimist. It's very hard. It's very hard to, uh, to be optimistic or to feel good about anything when you're talking about serial killing. By the way, it's 10 to 16 victims but you know we'll, we'll go with the number 10 and most of them are women the two that aren't one is a toddler a female toddler known as baby doe we've spoken about her she's the daughter of peaches who is one of the victims and they call her peaches because on her breast there was a tattoo and all we have is her torso we don't have a head uh, or a dna positive on on peaches they call her peaches because she had a tattoo of peaches on her breast she is the biological mother to baby doe who was between 18 months and 36 months i think but you know i would think closer to 18 and 
she is um she lost a life i mean this is just unbelievable and this is why they don't get away with it this is why we can't we can't uh, just ignore this Uh, this is so unbelievably outrageous what happened here the the murder of of these people and uh, by the way the other i said uh, mostly women uh baby doe uh is you know a baby baby girl and uh and the other non-female was who we know we we we've grown to know as um as asian male right so asian male is uh is the name the cops gave the victim and it's it's believed for the most part uh, i think there were female clothes um that uh, that asian male was um was uh living as a or at least in in the capacity as a sex worker was living in uh in in the uh, uh you know in the image of a woman so the the uh, person who who or people who murdered the monster who murdered these people uh, probably first saw a- Asian male as a woman. We're assuming we're we're going off of just uh, you know good speculation on that. The whole situation just gets stranger and stranger, but it's strange because of the cover-up. Now let, let's let's talk about this for a second. And I I mentioned on yesterday's show that some people immediately jump to John Bitrolf, who, if you Google Bitrolf, he's in jail for the murder of uh, of multiple women who are working as sex workers. So they immediately jump to that, and the same thing. Well. Let's let me not go there. I what I said, and I was saying this up until up until last year, up until about Easter time. I was saying this that there's no way, and I was I, I I'm eating crow on this because I don't I don't believe this to be the case anymore. But I said there's no way that it's Bitroff because Bitroff had no political connections and no police connections. So why would Jimmy Burke, Steve Ballone, and Tom Spoda not just throw the book at Bitroff and say, we got Lisk, this is the one? There's more to it here, right? There's much, much more to it. Let's go back to Bissett for a second. And I'm, by the way, I, I've got no proof that, that it's Jimmy Bissett. I, the, the reason everybody jumped to Bissett is because Ballone um, is the one who who was saying that behind the scenes, and and originally they were going to they were going to try to pin it all on on the dead man, you know, easy as anything, pin it on on Bissett who committed suicide, and he had some involvement with prostitutes, he had some involvement with Gilgo, so they this is like a no brainer. What happened, what happened, and, and again, this is uh, you know, more than speculation, but 
as they were going in this direction, as the DA and county executive and cops were going in the direction that looked like Jimmy Bissett was going to be their person and they were going to do a grand jury report and, you know, I, you know, and the reason I say grand jury report is you can't indict a dead man. You can't, uh, you can't convict a dead man, right? You can do a grand jury report. And it sounds to me, and I'm certainly no expert in law enforcement. I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a cop, but it sounds to me that a grand jury report on a dead man, in this case, Jimmy Bissett, would have been very easy to get a majority of a grand jury to, uh, to sign off on, on a report. And I think it was Saul Walkler, a former chief judge, made the, made the quote, uh, you can indict a ham sandwich. And he's right. And the reason you can indict a ham sandwich is because in order to get an indictment, you're in front of a grand jury, you know, 24 people, and you only have to get the majority. So 13 is the majority, and you only have to convince those 13 people that, uh, that you want to formally, formally accuse, right, indict, formally accuse the individual of a crime. That means that they're going to get their chance to, to prove that it's not, um, it's not a conviction, it's not whatever, it's an indictment, right? An indictment is a... You know, very serious thing, but it's not hard to get an indictment. Now, having said that, I have to believe that it would be even easier to get one on a dead man. And who's going to defend the dead man? In this case, Jimmy Bissett. Well, here's who, right? And I didn't find this out until last year. And when this uh, liaison from... And it's an unofficial liaison, but somebody who worked very closely with Ballone said to me, um, Jimmy Bissett did it. And I said, come on. I said, if Bissett did it, Spoda's not an idiot. Spoda could clear Jimmy Burke and all these other people uh, by just convicting, not convicting, uh, uh, getting a grand jury report saying Bissett did it. All right? This is why they couldn't just do it. Jimmy Bissett has people that care about him, right? It's relatives. And some of these relatives are lawyers. And they weren't going to allow uh, Steve Ballone, Tom Spoda, and after that, Tim Sini, right? Uh, Jimmy Burke, they weren't going to let them ride um, roughshod over the law and just say, Jimmy Bissett did it because of this. They were going to make a case against it, you know, public relations-wise, legal-wise, and they couldn't. And they called, you know, they, meaning family members of Jimmy Bissett, called certain law enforcement folks and said, if you think you're going to do this, now I know this because I heard it from the law enforcement, and I'm not saying who because it wasn't, it wasn't said off the record, it wasn't said on the record, it was on background. But they, they called certain law enforcement people and said, um, you got to get, uh, you know, some of your people to stop saying, some of the people who work for you, to stop saying that it's, it's my relative. 
and individuals said, I can't stop people from speculating outside, but um, if you want to complain, your complaint is to the DA, because they're the ones who's pushing it, along with Pallone, the county executive. So I have to believe, and this is speculation on my part, I have to believe the same individuals called Tom Spoda and said, um, if you do this, we're going to blow you up. And, you know, I mean that in a public relations way. We're going to blow this whole thing out. And something tells me that uh, that in Bissett's phone, um, Jimmy Burke, who, of course, he had a relationship with a close room. Jimmy Burke had text in there and, and phone calls and everything else. And uh, this is just speculation. But there is no uh, no chance that they were going to allow um, Spoda just to use Jimmy Bissett as a as as a fall, even posthumously, even dead. They weren't going to let it happen. Well, uh, listen, uh, this is the end of uh, day three. Frank McKay signing off. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with uh, more Lisk, the Long Island serial killing, and we'll be back. And uh, and talk. I could talk about it for weeks without giving uh, the same information. But uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.